Hello and welcome to the St Mark's MK podcast. We are a small community in Milton Keynes, growing in faith as disciples of Jesus, while showing love and sharing hope to all our neighbours. Thank you for joining our village. We hope this conversation about building a life of peace and meaning helps you. It will make much more sense if you use these episodes as conversation starters with others and see where the grace of God leads you. It's a story for another time, but I once accidentally and publicly committed to running a marathon. Not long after that, a friend of mine took me to one side and said, Paul, you're going to need to buy a really good pair of trainers. Ah, don't worry about it. I dismissed them. Uh, I've got a pair of trainers and they're fine. How different can one pair of trainers be from any other pair of trainers? So I just carried on training as I was in my trainers. A few weeks later, I was in a queue in a coffee shop and chatting to another friend of mine who'd had a few marathons under her belt. And I was just saying that I had a bit of pain in my leg. And she said, well, what are your trainers? Which ones have you got? And so I just told her, I just got a pair of trainers. I, I spent 35 quid on them a few years ago. They're fine. She said, no, 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 you need a really good pair of runners, trainers. If you want to do this thing well, if you still want to be healthy and whole at the end of it, you're going to need some good trainers. Don't be so silly. I dismissed her as well. You don't need another pair of trainers. I I just think I'm heel striking rather than toe striking. I think it's that I'm going to be fine. I don't, I don't need to spend money on this thing. I'm trying to raise money for charity. How foolish if I also spend money. That's like a negative gain. <laughs> Needless to say, about a month later, I hobbled into a sports shoe shop and I had knees that ached every time I breathed and hips that hurt from all the shock they were absorbing every time I ran on this rubbish old pair of trainers I had. And I bought a new pair and it changed my running completely. And do you know, it was because I finally listened to the experts. For the longest time, I felt like I knew better, that I didn't need to do what everybody else said was wise. And it reminded me that I've often felt like that about fasting. Here's this, I don't know, spiritual, wise, gracious, biblical, Christ-like practice that everybody who's ahead of me in the things I want to be good at, in, in wisdom, in peace, in joy, in contentment, in just being like Jesus, everyone who's ahead of me and wiser than me, they'll keep saying stuff like, fasting is important. But I, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to give up on the food. And so I never really did. So we're going to talk this week about fasting. Now, it's important that we get a couple of things in place before we start. Number one is this, that the fasting is not the goal. Remember, the fasting is it's just a trellis. It's a structure. It's a piece of scaffolding that we put in place to try and help us to get to the end line of the marathon, to help us to try and live a life of peace and fulfillment and grace and joy. Fasting in and of itself is not the goal. We're not trying to be David Blaine sat in a fish tank for 40 days. Nobody achieves anything through that. Fasting is a trellis to help us achieve a Christ-filled life. The second thing is this. Well, what the heck is fasting? Fasting is an intentional, a purposeful abstinence from food or from something else for a period of time so that you can, instead of indulging in that thing, focus on Jesus. Maybe through prayer, maybe through listening, maybe through meditation or whatever. If you forget to take your lunch to work and so you skip lunch, that's not fasting. That's just forgetfulness. If you uh, find that little window between elevenses and lunch, 
that doesn't count as a fast. There's, there's very little time for abstinence required in there. If you skip dinner, mostly to try and skimp on the calories and watch Netflix instead of praying during dinner time, well, that's not really fasting either biblically. That's just not having dinner and hoping that the diet will improve your waistline. By the way, that's a rubbish type of diet. Fasting is a purposeful abstinence from something, usually food, but doesn't have to be, so that you're released to spend time and energy focused on Jesus. In his book, The Common Rule, Justin Whitmill Early writes about the connection between the feast and the fast. He says, before there was lack in the world, there was food in the world. He says that there's this spiritual interplay that's happening when we fast. It's like a, a bodily prayer. It's an awareness that there is emptiness and lack in the world. And it's an association physically with that emptiness and that lack and a heartfelt cry that somehow the fullness of God might intervene in the place of that emptiness, that the fullness of God might fill that void and that gap, that the fullness of God might move a feast into the neighbourhood of empty. That's what's going on when we fast, he writes. And I really like that picture, that we are involving ourselves bodily in the emptiness and the lack, that we are invoking the fullness of God into the empty situation, that we are seeking the fruitfulness of God into the place where there is just a void, and that we're not just leaving it up as some ethereal, spiritual, mystical thing, that kind of cloud that floats above our heads, but we are involving ourselves physically in it. When you begin to fast from food, there's nothing else that can strike your stomach but hunger. And as you're aware of the lack that your stomach feels, he says you become more aware in your spirit of the lack that exists in the world. It is, he says, a particularly radical and subversive act in our culture. Our culture, which is all about plenty, which is all about more, which is all about hiding any lack in the background and sticking the full plate up front where personal self-gratification is the idol that we all chase, that the dream of our culture is that we should lack for nothing, that we should be able to have whatever we want, whenever we want to, or at least within 15 minutes. In his chapter on fasting, Whitmill Early describes that all of us actually are aware of the lack and the emptiness, and we feel it on a profound and personal level most of the time. But the majority of the time, we try and replace it with other things. We try and self-medicate with food or with drink or with entertainment or with distraction or with drugs or with shopping or with gossip or whatever, just activity. Something that will we hope will fill the void and fill the emptiness, but it never does. It is, if you liked, what happened in the first few pages of the Bible where good stuff was given to humanity but what humanity does with that good stuff is turn it from a good stuff into a god thing and try and hope that if we can attribute powers to that plate of food that it doesn't really have it might for a moment take away the emptiness i feel we can attribute powers to that bottle of wine or to that lady on the website or to whatever it is if we can attribute powers to something that it doesn't really have it would replace god 
Fasting, he says, is an embracing of the emptiness. It's an association with the emptiness, and it's a refusal to medicate it with anything other than the one God who could fill the emptiness, who could make the void good. So the mechanics, according to him, are actually fairly simple. That you and I become aware of an emptiness. The emptiness could be personal. It could be that I, I, I miss somebody. It could be that I'm grieving. It could be that I have a deep longing for a partner or for a child or for a job or for security or for safety. I have this emptiness and this longing inside me. And so instead of medicating it away with something else, I choose to embrace the emptiness and to associate with it deeply and bodily and fast and focus on Jesus and pray in order that he might fill that emptiness, that he might move his grace into that space. The emptiness might be a neighbourhood one. It might be that there's a school where nobody's ever graduated with great results and gone on to great things in life. It might be a couple of streets where there's gang warfare and violence. It might be a town that's been overrun by racism. It might be your actual neighbour who's experiencing uh, people throwing rocks through their windows each night. There's an emptiness which we associate with on a bodily level. It might be wider than that. It might be that the country is ravaged by famine or by war. It might be wider than that, that the world is ravaged by a pandemic or by injustice or by corrupt leadership. It might be that you haven't heard the whisper of Jesus speak to you for a while. It begins with the emptiness. And then it has that kind of spiritual earthy wisdom that says I could try and gloss over that emptiness with something else I could just go eat something I could replace it with a burger but I'm not going to I'm going to focus on Jesus I'm going to pray I'm going to seek a wholeness and a satisfaction which could never be delivered on a plate I'm going to seek the spiritual feast in the place of the physical emptiness you know, growing up, I heard all this hanging around church. I knew this. I knew that people in the Bible fasted. I knew that prophets fasted. I knew that kings fasted. I knew that people fasted when they were bereaved and grieving. I knew that they fasted when they desperately had a prayer request that they wanted God to hear and it didn't feel like he had yet. I knew that they would fast on behalf of whole people groups and ethnic tribes. I knew that they would fast in repentance. I knew that they would fast in worship. I knew Jesus fasted. I knew that he spoke in very matter of fact terms about what his disciples should do when they were fasting because it was his assumption that disciples of his would fast I knew all this but I never did it and then I found myself a few years ago we were living in a place we were super happy where we lived we loved the place where we lived we loved the house where we lived we loved the people we lived amongst we had an incredible bunch of friends we loved the church that we were part of we had good jobs that paid us really well and that were great employers and yet there was this dissatisfaction rumbling in my spirit. So I, I said to my friend Steve, I said, Steve, I've tried everything else. I don't, I don't know what it is. I feel like God is trying to speak to me. I feel like there's some resolution that I'm seeking. I've tried everything else. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try fasting. I'm going to give up food every Monday. I'm not going to eat for 24 hours. I'm going to give up food every Monday and pray and see what happens. And my mate Steve says, great, I'm going to do it with you. <laughs> and so what a mate every Monday 
I would wake up already hungry and I'd go to the to the cupboard where we would keep the cereal boxes and I'd reach in and then I would remember, oh no, 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 I'm not supposed to be eating today. Rats, I should have eaten bigger last night. <laughs> and I would spend breakfast time before going to work praying. And then at lunchtime, Steve and I would meet up in the centre of the town where we lived and we would maybe sit on a bench and talk and speak into each other's lives or pray for one another or maybe we would go to the pool hall and just shoot some pool whilst praying for each other. Maybe we would sit down and really chew the card and think, what is it going on in deeply? We would ask each other honest questions. And we did this for a year until I experienced just this release and this breakthrough and this decision that I was chasing for such a long time that was profound for us in our lives came easy. I want to tell you about two things about that year. First up, it was so hard. I mean, I hated it. I can't lie. Every single Monday, I would be annoyed with myself that I hadn't had a huge curry the night before and stocked up. Every single Monday, I would miss food deeply. If you know me, you know I enjoy my food. Every single Monday, as I went to see Steve in the centre of town, I would walk past bakers and butchers and, and chicken places, and i think, oh my goodness, why am I doing this? I found out that one of the things that happens when you fast from food, I don't know why, but it makes your breath smell. And so I thought, well... I'm sure God wouldn't want me to, you know, stink out the whole office that I'm working in and my colleagues to be, uh, <laughs> to experience that. So I'm going to have some breath mints. And so I bought like extra strong mints and I would eat packets of those every Monday <laughs> until I began to think maybe, maybe I'm not actually fasting because I'm eating too many packets of these mints and maybe I've missed the point here. <laughs> uh, it was hard. It was really hard work. Somebody told me, of course, you're allowed to drink. Uh, most people just drink water or fruit tea or something like that. But I, I, I asked him, are you, are you allowed to melt down Mars bars? Does that count? Can I have like energy drinks or, or slimming drinks that have got a load of protein and calories and nutrients in? And he's like, no, 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 that misses the point too. It was hard. The second thing I want to tell you about that year is it was mysteriously brilliant. I don't know why I wish I could tell you otherwise, but I felt a closeness with Jesus that I don't think I'd ever felt before or since. I felt an ease in decision making that I don't think I've felt before or since. I felt an experience of joy and contentment in my life that was unique. I felt closer to Christ than I have in any other circumstance. I felt more generous towards other people. I felt more patient with and peaceful towards other people. I felt more grace filled. I felt slower. Things were easier. That's not always the case when you fast and know that, but that's my story of the year, that it was incredibly painful and hard work, but it was wonderful. And as I look back at it, honestly, I think, why did I stop? Why did we stop? Why am I not just doing that every Monday ever since? It was good. Maybe the marathon runners were right. Maybe you do need a better pair of trainers. Maybe the holy spiritual people ahead of me are right. Maybe fasting is a thing that releases us from the trap of more and that becomes a rhythm and a habit and a practice onto which a life of peace and meaning can be built. So really practically to finish up, how do you do it if you've never done it before? Well, maybe give it a try. There's probably a voice inside you right now screaming in your mind, this is crazy, don't do it, anything but this. Well, Chat that through with the people you're on the journey with and see what they think. Maybe give it a go for a few weeks and see what happens. Here's some real simple tips to help you get started. First, pick a thing. Pick a thing that you're going to fast from. It could be food. It could be TV. It could be alcohol. 
It could be anything you want. Uh, I mean, pick a thing that you're actually involved with. If you're a non-smoker, don't say that you're giving up cigarettes. Pick something that you're going to give up. And if it can be a little bit costly to you, then great. But pick something you're going to give up and make it manageable to start off with. Don't read that bit in the Bible where Jesus fasts for 40 days. Don't start there. There's an on-ramp. Maybe start with lunch. Maybe start with a a 12-hour period and then maybe try a 24-hour period the next time. So number one, pick a thing. Number two, pick a time. Pick a time that you're going to do it. Pick a time before and ahead of time and tell somebody else about it. Decide, for instance, you're going to give up food on Mondays. Don't wait until the day that you feel like giving up food because you'll never have that day. Pick a time and decide on it and tell somebody else for accountability and stick to it. Write it in your calendar and go for it. Number three, Pick a friend to do it with. It's so much easier in community. The Jesus way was never supposed to be a single march way. It's always supposed to be something that we do together. Ask a friend, hey, at the very least, could you just check in with me each mealtime next week when I'm fasting? Or why don't we do it together? Why don't we phone each other at lunchtime and pray? Why don't we go for this thing? Or even better, hey, friend, I noticed that there's this emptiness in your life. I know you're longing for a a wife or a husband. I know you're longing for a child who's who's off the rails right now. I know you're longing for a new job. I know you have this deep need within you. Or, or maybe, hey, I know we both really wrestle with racism at the moment and how we can use our white privilege. Why don't we fast in the middle of that emptiness together? Pick a thing, pick a time, pick a friend, and fourth, pick a focus. That emptiness. Use that as your focus in your prayer time to start off with. If you just give up food for a day and then just sit down and decide to pray about everything, that's too much. It'll be way too much for your mind and for your body and you'll think this is incredibly unfulfilling. But if there's a thing, if there's an emptiness that you're aware of and you say, God, because of this emptiness, I'm fasting, I'm giving up my comfort, I'm giving up my food in an attempt to bodily pray and present myself before you and ask that your your fullness would fill this void, then I think that you might find that there is true freedom and grace and joy and contentment and wonder in this practice. Give it a go, chat with your mates how you're getting on with it and see what you learn together. As you do it, may you be blessed with the fullness of the love of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Keep the conversation going with friends and join us anytime. Have a look at stmarksmk.com to see what our village is getting up to. You're so welcome to join us. Until next time, be blessed by the giver of peace.